job, praise team. Thank you so much. And thanks to Kenny G for the sermon intro there. <laughs> like half of y'all know who Kenny G is. I uh, want to welcome you today. Um, and I want to welcome our online audience, those watching online right now. We miss you, uh, but glad you could tune in and join us. And I hope that you all had a good Christmas. And I hope that you enjoyed the snow that we got. What a pleasant surprise that was. And, you know, it's great to be able to in, have a white Christmas. And uh, for, we haven't had one of those for a long time. So we've been in this series called Heaven for the Holidays. And we started this last week. And what I really wanted or what I envisioned in this series is to talk about our future. You know, this year we've had so much bad news. There's been so much negativity. Um, I felt like we really needed to kind of get our focus back to where we're going to spend eternity, you know, if we're people of God. And last week, Travis kicked us off by talking about the reality of heaven, and it, heaven is a real place. It is a real place. It's not just a figment of our imagination, right? It's not just a state of, of being, but it is a literal physical, spiritual place, and uh, just like Richlands, just like Cedar Bluff, Honeaker, Tazewell is a place, heaven is also a place, and um, I want to explain it this way, heaven is uh, our eternal home, heaven is home for God's people. Have you ever felt homesick? I know um, when I was younger, I used to feel homesick and really couldn't explain it. You know, I was just used to kind of being at home, and when I was away, I'd, I'd have this feeling of, you know, just being homesick, and sometimes I even had it when I was at home, and I didn't really understand that. And one of my favorite Christmas songs is I'll Be Home for Christmas. I just, I just love the words to that. I really like the Michael Buble version the best. You know, I got a man crush on him. Um, he, he, does, he does my my favorite rendition of it. But in that, we really hear and sort of sense the desire of the importance of just wanting to be home. You know, uh, all these other things are great. You know, I love the food and um, love the decorations and all this stuff. But what I want most is just to be home. That's, that's the most important thing. And um, there's really no place like home. And I'll be going to, to my home today after the service is over. We plan on going Friday and got snowed out in the blizzard, and, you know, we'll be doing that today, and I'm looking forward to just being being sort of back home today. Now, for people of faith, this place, this world is not our home. It's not. And there is this unexplainable feeling that you have if you're a Christian. There's this feeling that you can't really explain to people. Um, you don't really under, understand it yourself, but you sort of feel like you're not home. You sort of feel homesick. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, writes this, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. You know, as, as people of God, Christ has made us for another world. And we see in the life of Abraham, you know, he was, he was just a man of faith. He was a man that had this faith where his mind and his hope was set on his eternal home. 
it said that he Hebrews 11 talks back at Moses' uh, Abraham's life and how he lived. It says that he looked forward to being in the city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. And that's what he thought, and that's what, how he lived his life. You know, what are you looking forward to most in heaven? I know when I mention heaven, when we talk about heaven, our imaginations start running. We start thinking. We start dreaming. What will heaven be like? What will be the best things about heaven? We start maybe thinking about loved ones that we've lost that we really can't wait to, to be reunited with, you know, people, brothers and sisters of faith. We will be reunited with them one day. Maybe you're an animal lover and you lost a pet and you're just like, well, I can't wait to see my pet again. Look, that this really used to bother me. Um, I used to draw a, a clear line, you know, because it's not mentioned in the Bible, but now I'm just, I don't care. You know, if, if your pet's going to be there, that's fine. Mine won't. Um, that's just the way I look at it. But, but we all look forward to to different things about heaven. Now, what I want to do today is, is if I were to ask you to write down the three most important things about heaven, the three greatest things about heaven, you know, what would you start writing down? Um, I want to want to maybe share and dream with you this morning about the greatest things in heaven. The first thing is this: we will be with God. The greatest thing, the great thing about heaven is that we will be with God. There's there's this commercial that I love, and it's interesting because they were showing this commercial when I was in high school, and I saw it again this Christmas. It's the M&Ms and Santa commercial where they go into the same room, and they're like, whoa, he does exist, they do exist, and, you know, they're really surprised, you know, the greatest thing about heaven is that we will be with God. One day we're going to just get that visualization that, God, there you are. There you are. You know, one thing that this Christmas in particular has taught us is the importance of being with the, the ones we love. You know, maybe you were not able to travel and be with your family like you have been in the past, or maybe you're your Christmas gathering was a lot smaller. You know, it sort of taught us what's most important to us. Or maybe this Christmas you, you've you lost somebody maybe this year or maybe recently, and that person used to always be around. And and this Christmas felt different, and holidays like that now feel, feel different. It feels like something is missing. You know, that's the way that our lives are with with our relationship with God, um, ever since the fall of man back in the Garden of Eden, it has been God's mission to be reunited with us. That is his number one goal. And so not only do we have this longing to be with God, God has a longing to be with us. God has a desire to be with us. And if we read back on the Bible, if we take a snapshot of God's word, we can see bits and pieces of God just wanting to be involved and to be with us in this world. And the ultimate proof of that display is through what we call the incarnation. And I know that is a is a 
fancy you know word it's a theologically deep word and it really is it has such an important meaning it really means it literally means this god in flesh right god in flesh is what incarnation means god wanted so bad for us to be together that through the incarnation he became flesh he came to earth matthew 123 says this the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Right. Through Jesus, through the incarnation, through Emmanuel, we really see God's desire to, to be with us. We see the links that he's willing to go so that we can be together. And he, and he did it in the most mysterious, amazing, remarkable way possible. He became one of us, you know, and um, I just want you to imagine with me, imagine being Mary and Joseph. Imagine what it felt like to see God being born. Imagine what it was like to hold God on your lap, to wipe away a tear from his eye if we fell. To talk to him. To feed him. To, to teach him how to, how to speak and talk. For the better part of 33 years, Mary and Joseph got to experience being with, with God. Imagine being the disciples. Imagine being one of those guys and, and seeing Jesus and talking with, with the Son of God, talking with God in the flesh, having a conversation with him one-on-one, eating with him, laughing with God, crying with God, fishing with God, hanging out, doing life together. Imagine that. You know, in heaven, we will get to experience being with God that no one on earth has ever experienced. And it won't be for 33 years or three years. It'll be for eternity. Revelation 21.3 says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be, will be with them and be their God. I want you to notice those two words, their dwelling place. You know what that is? It's home. It's home. You know, one day, our home will be with God, and God's home will be with us. And, and this announcement is so important. At the end of time, from the throne room of God, and listen, only, only important announcements come from the throne room of God. And the announcement is this. God and his people will be united, reunited into one place. And that place is heaven. It is a, it is a real 
place. It is the dwelling place of God. And one day, one day, you and I will dwell with him for eternity. Second thing, the second great thing about heaven is this. And I'm excited to share this with you today because it's something I don't think we normally think about. It's this, we will experience God's glory. Um, we'll, we'll experience God's glory. I wanted to talk about this because every time I started reading through these verses, I started noticing this word over and over and over again. It's, word, it's this word glory. Maybe you are old enough to have uh, maybe heard your parents or your grandparents or great-grandparents refer to heaven as glory. Anybody heard heaven referred to as that? Going on to glory type of thing? Why, why is it heaven referred to as glory? Because God is there. Because God is there. And his, his glory is there. And so in heaven, we will, not only, we will not only be with God, but we will also experience his glory. And glory is mentioned all throughout the Bible. And I stopped counting like over 400 times this word glory is mentioned. And it means weight uh, or it means heaviness, okay? So in other words, God's glory is something that is tangible. Um, we can see it, we can hear it, we can feel it, we can, it can be experienced. God's glory can be experienced. Now, I don't know what your greatest experience in this world has been. I'm sure you've had some great experiences. I've, I've had some. But nothing will even come close to comparing being in the presence of God and experiencing His glory, true glory, unfiltered, right? Um, in the Bible, throughout ancient history, God has, has not only has he, he appeared, but He's given us glimpses, like little tiny fragments of His glory. We think about Moses and the burning bush, and, oh, well, that's weird, a bush burning, and, you know, it's not being consumed, and it's real bright in the middle of the desert, and and. Moses goes over and it's holy ground and that is a glimpse of God's glory and, and Moses spends some time on Mount Sinai with God and there's lightning and there's thunder and, and God's glory is, is not only heard and seen but felt, the ground shook, you know. And Moses spent 40 days on top of this mountain. He was quarantined, right? He social distanced himself really good. Spent some time on top of that mountain and look, even when he came down, he wore a mask. You know, I'm sure it wasn't N95, but um, he had to wear a veil over his face. Why? Because when he came down, he was glowing. He was glowing. He had experienced a fragment of the glory of God. And, and while, while God blessed Moses this way, he sort of teased him in a way. To the point where Moses was like, God, just show me your glory, right? Just, just show me your glory. And God said, No, you can't. I, you can't. You can't. Nobody can see me and live. But He still allowed Moses to sort of, He, he put Moses in in a crevice, um, to where he would not experience the full glory of God. And God passed by him and allowed him to see uh, the back of him. Moses got to experience that. You know, when we think about in the tabernacle in the Old Testament, uh, and then, then in, the, in the temple, 
when those things were first built, when the tabernacle was first constructed and the temple was first constructed, man, God's glory filled that place. And nobody could be in the presence then. Nobody could. Once they established the sacrificial system, then only, only a select few at a certain time of the year could go in and just, just experience God's glory. Just a glimpse of it. And on the first Christmas night, God gave a glimpse of his glory to some um, unlikely people in a field. And the shepherds, Luke 2, 9 says this, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So get this. These guys were just out doing their jobs. They were just out doing their thing. And then all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared. And with the angel came the glory of God. And it, they didn't just see it, but it engulfed them. It shone around them. And they were terrified. Okay? You know, the, the, being in the presence of God's glory is frightening in a way. It's awe-inspiring. But the angel quickly said, look, don't, you know, don't be afraid. You know, the glory of God brings fear, but, it, but it, it should be joyful. It should be amazing to you. Um, you know, God's also given us, you and me, a glimpse of his glory through creation. I love what Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. You know, this week we've really been blessed by being able to see this Christmas star, and there's a picture here. I'm not sure how good it'll show up, um, or if we have the picture or not. Picture? There we go. Um, I didn't take this picture, but, but I did take some. Mine's not as good as this. But isn't that neat to be able to see this? And and while it's not a star, you know, it's this these two planets, Saturn and Jupiter, coming close together. The last time this happened was 1226, right? 800 years. And we get to experience this. I've taken several photos, and I'm going to share them with my kids and my grandkids and hopefully my great-grandkids and be like, I, I saw that. I saw that. What a, an amazing event. And as, as amazing as this once in a lifetime, once in, once in many lifetimes, as amazing as this was, it will be nothing compared to experiencing the raw, true, unfiltered glory of God. These things that we're seeing are just nightlights, are just nightlights compared to what the glory in heaven will be like. Revelation 21, 23, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. So the sun that we see out there, out these windows that came up this morning, the sun that has came up every morning of your whole entire life, ah, not in heaven. The, the moon that, that we're used to seeing almost every single night, not in heaven. Why? It's not needed. It's, it's not needed. God is there, and where God is, His glory is. 
<laughs> one day we'll, we will experience that and we will be with the one who, listen, who said, let there be light. How amazing is that? If you read on in Revelation 21, you, you can do that easily today. It, it talks about um, how, how the, the foundation, the walls are made of, of crystal, okay? And, and all these precious stones. And the, the gates are made of pearl, and the streets are made of gold. And through that, you have God's glory radiating through the whole place. We've seen nothing like it. 1 Corinthians 2.9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. I like this translation here. And no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Heaven is filled with God's glory, and one day we will experience that. But I want you to notice something here that this verse mentions. There's something else that radiates. There's something else that gives off light, and that is the, the Lamb. The Lamb. And so I want to close us out with this. We will, we will see God. We will experience God's glory, but we will also see our Savior. We will also see our Savior. We talked about Emmanuel, okay, and we need to really get a good grasp on what that means. So it means God in flesh. It means God wrapped in flesh. It means God veiled, veiled in flesh. All right. Um, Hebrews tells us that the Son of God is the radiance of God's glory. So Jesus is a representation of God's glory. Jesus, even though he's fully God, he is a veiled God. He is God wrapped in flesh and i think it's in john 17 where jesus takes peter james and john on on top of a mountain and okay he emmanuel the incarnation un, slowly unwraps himself just a little bit and 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 they get to see the full glory of the lamb and it's amazing and, and, and Peter is just blown away. As a matter of fact, he's like, I don't ever want to leave. I want to stay here forever. As a matter of fact, I want to build my house right here, and I'll build you one, and I'll build you one, and I'll build you one, and we could just stay here forever. This is great. God said, no, that's not, that's not my plan. You know, one day we will see our Savior. We will see Jesus. We will, we will see the Lamb face to face. And, and he is looking forward to that day. He wants that day more than we do. John 17, 24, I love this verse. And Jesus is praying here to the Father. And I want you to notice, all right, when we pray, when we ask God for things, it's usually things that we really want isn't it? What does Jesus ask for here? Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Did you realize that? 
Did you realize God, Jesus, loves you in such a way that he actually prayed to his Father to see you? For you to see him in glory one day? How does that make you feel? That Jesus cares about you that much. Look, what are you looking forward to most in heaven? We think about a lot of things. And I was talking to Noah this week about it. And he said, dirt bikes. I'm looking for riding dirt bikes in heaven. <laughs> you know, I'm sure we are, we think about and look forward to some great things. But it's hard to beat being with God. It's hard to be experiencing God's glory. And it's, to me, nothing tops seeing our Savior. The person who died for you, seeing him in the face. And looking at him. Talking with him. Well, what can we do now? I sort of feel homesick after this message. <laughs> what do we do now? Right? I mean, God's got us here for a reason. And he's in control of our future. Well, until we get to glory, we, we need to glorify God with our lives now. In other words, God's glory that he has revealed to us so far, we need to reflect that back up to God. The weight that he has transferred to us, we need to make sure that we are transferring that weight, that glory back to him. All right, you see what I'm saying? Look at John 17. Jesus is still praying here. And he says this, I have, he's praying to the Father, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So, on Christmas, we celebrate the fact that God came into the world, right? We celebrate the fact that God was born, that Jesus Christ is born. But you know, here's where so many people get caught up, and here's where so many people stay. They stay with the baby. They stay with the baby, too. To so many people, that's all Christmas is about. Baby Jesus. And then after Christmas, they'll put baby Jesus up till next year. You know, the, the incarnation is more than just a, a baby. You know, God didn't just become flesh, but he stayed flesh day after day, year after year. He grew. He was tempted. He lived. That's the point, you see. He experienced life just like you and me. He experienced sadness, sorrow, anger. He experienced every temptation that you and I face, but yet he was perfectly obedient to the Father. He, he finished the work, and on the cross, you know what he said? It's finished. It's finished. That's the incarnation. Work. Not just not just the manger, but the cross. 
You know, for us, until we reach our eternal home, we need to finish. We need to finish what God's called us to do. We need to finish our race. We need to be about our Father's business. And we need to think, look, guys, we really need to think this a lot. Am I living for my glory or God's? Is my, is my mind set on heavenly things? I love this quote again by C.S. Lewis. The Christian who did the most for the present world, the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought about uh, most the next. So in other words, the Christians who did the most in this world thought about the next world the most. Is, is our minds like that? Are we thinking that way? If we truly love God and look forward to what he has in store for us, we should finish our race and bring glory to God now. And look, you might be here and you're not sure if you're going to heaven. You might be listening or watching online and you're not sure where you're going. If it, It's interesting. If you ask people that, a lot of people will say, well, you know, I really don't know. Um, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to share this verse with you, these next couple verses. Romans 3.23, and I will never look at this verse the same after today and talking about God's glory. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see how that plays out with what we've talked about? Scripture teaches us that all have sinned, every person, Nobody's good enough to be in God's glory. All have sinned and, and, and are, are, are separated from God's glory. But remember what I said earlier, that ever since sin entered the world, it's been on God's heart to be reunited with us again, for us to be in his glory, you see. And so he made a way, and that way is Jesus. Scripture says that he is the only way to be with God. Well, how do I do that? I love what this verse says here, and it's Jesus' own words. And it goes right with Romans 3.23. It's John 11.40, and Jesus is having a conversation with Martha about death and about the afterlife and about sorrow and grief and what to look forward to and what to do. And he says this, Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. You see how that goes with Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But if you believe, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. You know, Jesus finished the work that he was called to do. You know what that work was? It was coming and living and dying for you. And all you need to do is believe in him. It's already done. He's paid the debt in full. You believe in him, you place your faith in him, and you will live in the glory of God for all eternity. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and how we can look to it to find hope. Father, we are thankful that we can read about our future home that you have for us. Father, keep our eyes on you and on our eternal home. 
Help us not to get so focused on our own glory, on our own self, that we miss out on doing what you've called us to do. Father, help us to live our lives and give you glory because your son gave his life for us. Father, I pray if there's someone here or someone listening that does not know you, that does not have a relationship with you, that they would just believe, that they would look to your son and believe in him and believe that he is, he is the Lord, that he died for them to forgive them, to offer them eternal life, and that he rose from the dead so that they could be free. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.